episode four of season two of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, Missing the Mark. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. And we're going to be talking about leadership in organizations. Leadership in organization happens at all levels and takes many forms. Sharon, you know, I've been thinking a lot lately about... about the work that we do and and the outcomes that we get and you know sometimes we are uh, privileged to see the, the kind of stuff that we love you know people who love their work feeling like it's the best job managers who are really seeing the light bulbs come on and who shift their style of management and everybody's happier and we do get to see those we do get to see those moments. on occasion on occasion and but last week I um, I really found myself reflecting on how um, disappointed and discontented I am with the state of uh, retrospectives being used in Agile. I think they are really missing their potential for continuous improvement. And, and that led me on to think about a lot of the things, a lot of the organizational changes that get introduced by us and others, uh-huh. and how many of them kind of miss the mark, get partway there and don't really reap all the benefits or um, aren't, don't sustain like, yeah. like we hope they would, and how... Um, how disappointing that is and how dismaying that can be and you know and how often that leads some of us in the consulting world to think about you know opening that little antique store or you know whatever (laughs) whatever alternative we may think we have going back to waitressing I don't know whatever it is in the back pocket and so how how does that strike you are you experiencing any of that Yeah. yeah 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 Because, um, well, just by way of example, um, I've mentioned before the, this IT director that I've been working with, and it wasn't just a matter of coaching him, it became working with his whole organization. And so it was an opportunity, or felt like an opportunity, to really make a real significant difference. And he just recently decided to leave his position. Um, for good reasons, I understand. For good reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it was so a, it was a wise move on his part? For him? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was fallout. <laughs> it was a rather sudden move. Yeah. And yeah, there is fallout. Yeah. And, you know, while I can have some influence in the hiring decision of whoever succeeds him, and I would hope that philosophically it will be someone who um, will have that same orientation towards the work and dealing with employees. I can't be sure of that. Right. And um, there's no knowing how that's going to affect the team, mm-hmm. the management team that's left in place. Um, so, 
there's a whole organization now of people who are kind of waiting and waiting, if you will, for the other shoe to drop. And I feel responsible in some way. I, I saw a bunch of them in the hall the other day, and it was like, I don't talk to me. I don't know anything. I don't know any more than you do. You know, I, I didn't say that, but that's how I was feeling because... And you know they want answers. Of course. And yeah. they want to know, you know, what is the future going to bring? And I can't tell them yet because um, I don't know. And I, I see challenges in this hiring decision because I think for the caliber of person they want, there's not enough money in the budget yeah. to pay, and so they're going to have to make some kind of compromise. Either they're going to get someone who's less credentialed yeah. than the employees actually have said they believe they need, um, and or, you know, something. So, yeah. So the work you've done may or may not stick. Exactly. And... I've been in that place before and it doesn't feel good because you feel like you've taken these people's money, you acted in good faith, totally, um, and will it pay off or not? And if it doesn't, then what do you do? Offer to give the money back? I mean, right. you know, it, it, this isn't yeah. a commodity that you can just... Right. But... Bring but, it to the returns desk. Right. <laughs> but but I feel some sense yeah. of responsibility, and yet, as a consultant, I don't have control. Right. I ultimately don't have control over the situation. So um, I have to recognize that and take responsibility for the parts that I can take responsibility for, but it doesn't mm -hmm. change the fact that if it doesn't really turn out well it's not going to feel satisfying to me in the end. Right. Um, that is right. not so good. Right, and, and all the readiness assessments in the world and all the um, pre-work interviews mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I can't, can't prepare you for right. what emerges in any given complex situation. Right. Right? We just can't know how all the factors are going to work together. You had no idea right. this guy was going to choose to leave. Right. Um, whatever his motivations. Um, you you can, just can't know that. Um, you know, I... Esther and I wrote the retrospectives book, and I've been sub since then talking to a lot of people about retrospectives and what people who are not familiar with agile right talk about what a retrospective is because uh, okay. because I think the concept will not be unfamiliar, but the term may be right right um, a retrospective is a, a, well the way that I talk about retrospectives. There are a number of different ways of thinking about them, but the, the, the way that I intend that, that the book Esther and I wrote is called Agile Retrospectives, and the, what we were intending there was a, a regular meeting on, um, on a regular iterative cadence for people who work in time-boxed iterations. It would be at the end of each iteration. For other people, it might just be on some kind of calendar cadence every month or something like that 
you stop and take stock mm -hmm. of how the work has been, what you've been producing, how you've been working together, how your work processes are serving you and serving your customer, and see if there are there's potential for improving on any of those. So it's a continuous improvement meeting, basically. Yeah. And the idea is you look at what has happened, um, get a real sense of what the patterns are there, what what uh, what's working, what's not working, what's working, what's not working, what the implications are of that pattern so far, what insights you get from that, and choose a way of moving forward that uh, the whole team may agree on is a new and better way, or it may just say, well, let's try this experiment, we're not sure. Sure. But some action sure. toward improvement yeah. um, that comes out of that meeting, that gets tried, and then gets fed back in at the next retrospective meeting, and so on and so forth, and on a continuing basis. And when people use retrospectives well, when they really are committed to learning about their work, learning everything they can about each, each other's perspectives on that, um, they have, and then doing some analysis and, and action planning, they have the opportunity to really move themselves toward that place where uh, they really have created the best jobs ever, mm -hmm. right? They're, mm -hmm. they're creating good outcomes for their customers. They're creating deliverables that they can be proud of. They're doing the work together in a way that feels good to them. And it's never perfect, and there's always room for improvement and because con conditions are always changing. And, um, and uh, that the idea of retrospectives has become embedded in a lot of the teams that are working in an agile way. Um, and yet, I see that it has become uh, checking the box. Oh, did we have our retrospective meeting? Check. Uh, As opposed to, have we really identified some ways to improve? Yeah. And are we acting on those? Yeah. Are we folding, stretching and folding? Are we folding those in all the time? Are we, are we looking for new ways of thinking about this and then bringing that in and, 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 and getting better, getting, continually getting better? And so much, it is just making a list of what do we do well, what do we think we could do differently, and then leaving the lists on the wall. Mm -hmm. And not doing and being able to check the box that says yes, we have our retrospective meeting. And for me that's a big waste of time. Sure. I don't see kind of any point to doing that kind of retrospective. And so that's that's a way that I'm kind of seeing, you know, yes, I've done this work, I've I've worked with folks to mm -hmm. help them install retrospectives in their organization. And yet, I really don't see them getting the benefits that I hope for for them. And I'm not... You don't it, feel good about it. And that. I don't feel good about it. And I don't feel good about when they hold the meetings anyway and, and to no really good purpose. Because that time could be better used elsewhere. Right, so, if they're yeah, not going to yeah. use it in, in that way. So. So, so for any group that... Right. that I mean... Project teams typically may do postmortems or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
for any group to really get the value out of that kind of exercise, I, I hesitate to use the yeah. word exercise, right. but that experience, Yeah. what are the ingredients that make the difference between it being a check the box right. or a real learning experience? Right. Is it is it the attitude that they take in? Is it? I mean, what? I think a big part of it is the, is intention and attitude. Um, are we committed to uh, to learning how we can continually improve? I mean, it is a commitment to continuous learning as well as continuous improvement, and and I think that's a big big piece. And in in the retrospectives book, Esther and I made our, our flexible, what we call a flexible framework, uh, the set the stage, gather data, generate insights, decide what to do, uh, close the retrospective. And we, we put that framework in there because we thought that if people would follow that, it would give them the best chance of really coming out with group learning, group thinking together to analyze and group decisions that mm -hmm. everybody was bought into. Mm -hmm. um, and I see a lot of people not using that framework. Not that that's the only way people could get there, but it's one good way. Yeah. Um, and, and falling back into ways that I know are ineffective for most folks and not for everyone. And there's the rub. I mean, for some folks making the list seems to work, or at least they report to me that it works well. And if it does, that's fine. But if it only works well to check the box, I'm not so fine with it. Mm -hmm. If it works well to help them really learn about more about their work, learn more about their customers, learn more about what work process is really going to work best for them, or what, what um, practices they need to incorporate to get better, uh, if it really works to help them do that, then I, I don't really care what they use. Right, right. right. Um, but I, I do want to see people, I, I want, and this is, you know, my selfish want, mm -hmm. is I want to be able to see people taking, taking the, recognizing the power they have to make their own workplaces better. And folks like yeah. us can come in from the outside yeah. and help with that, yeah. but people have a lot of influence right. and, and right. control over that themselves if they only recognize it and take action on it. So, yeah. that's a lot like life. That's a lot like life. <laughs> I mean, I love that. You know, people yeah. have more power and influence in their own lives to change yeah, things than they think they do. Yeah, in your coaching practice, I'm sure you see that all the time. I do, yeah. and I see that, you know, just in terms of, I mean, I'm always astonished at the articles in the newspaper, um, who, who is it, like, not Dear Abby, or Dear Amy, or whoever yeah. that is now, where somebody will write in and say, I have this relative that does yada, 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 and... It's driving me crazy, and what do you think? It's like, what do you mean? 
establish some boundaries. You know, how hard is that? Right. Well, evidently, it's for hard. a lot of people, establishing boundaries is very difficult. Mm. And there is a whole laundry list of things that I take for granted that I have a right to do that for other people may or may not seem like or, you know, they have a right to do. And I might not have even, look, when I look at my own list, might not have always thought that I had rights in that area. Some of these are lessons one learns as one ultimately grows up. Right. And, and I didn't know them in my 30s or in my 40s. And now that I'm past 60, I'm kind of <laughs> getting there, finally. But, but I'm always astonished at the things that people think they can't change that to me are absolutely right changeable right a, yeah. a friend of ours a colleague of ours actually a couple of a week ago or so called me and was talking to me about this teaching job that she wanted me to take on another teaching thing and whatever whatever and I said well okay I'll consider it because it's you that's asking and whatever but I knew I didn't want to do it I called her back the next day and I said, okay, I've thought about it. I am not doing this. And here's why. And she was kind of stunned. And then she said, you know, I have to commend you. You are really clear about your boundaries. And I understand why you don't want to do this. And I respect that. Yeah. And I thought, right. Yeah. That was easy. Right. Mm, you know, but, but. Right. Um, if I told you it was, you it, you would laugh because you know this is a person who has trouble with balance. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, what, what, so, so I guess coming back to what you're talking about, you talked at the group level about yeah. people being able to see as a group. Yeah. What, that what tends to be my orientation. Is right. That, what hasn't been working group. and what. Right. Okay, so but back that up. Right. What happens in a group right. if you have one or two individuals who can't or won't right. go there, who who are really not comfortable with focusing on what's not working because it would mean they have to change. Right. Is that is that what gets in the way? I mean, what, I'm not clear about your take yeah. on why that process doesn't work at a group level. I don't know if it's a group dynamic that's not working or an individual issue that's getting in the way of the group. I think there are a number of factors at play. Okay, um, so talk I about think, those. I think, I think sometimes... Um, I think sometimes the group has um, a lot of people in it who have become kind of comfortable with their workarounds. You know, things don't work the way they think they should, so they've figured out a way around that. And to really improve the situation would mean a change. And I think, you know, there are a lot of changes hard. And we talked last time about um, being overwhelmed. And it's another one of those things 
yeah. The, the, yeah. the number of changes going on in our lives and the magnitude of those changes are another thing that contributes to our sense of being overwhelmed. So I think sometimes that's in play. Um, I think sometimes um, it, it takes a lot of strength to push back on what seem to be the accepted organizational policies and practices. Sure. Um, and maybe more strength than a group of people can muster together. Um, although Ooh, wait, I tend wait, wait, to wait. think people are stronger than they think they are, but yeah, but I some I you know some organizations it's really hard mm -hmm. to make changes, and so why should we even consider what changes to make? Because we're only going to set up something that's going to be hard. Um, Do you to, think that gets into the? adult reluctance to appear less than fully competent? I don't know about the connection with that particular thing, but that's another thing, you know, that if we admit that we could continually approve, we somehow think we are admitting that we're not enough right now. Yeah. And... And I don't think of it that way. I think we're doing the best we can right now, and we can identify a new level of best mm -hmm. and, and strive for that. Mm -hmm. um, I, but I do think some people think that if, if we admit we could improve this, it means we were doing it wrong. And so that gets into the blaming and shaming thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we're not, we're not, we must, if we could do it better, we must not be doing it right now. Um, which I think, you know, whatever we're doing, we chose to do for good reasons at some point, and we just haven't re-examined it lately, and to see if those reasons still exist, and mm -hmm. if maybe we should shift. Mm -hmm. So, um, but <laughs> I, think, I think there are folks who get, I guess what I think of as stuck in their frame you know, stuck in kind of one way of thinking. And I, I think I'm really fortunate in that somehow, either through nature or nurture and life experience, I um, have been blessed with the ability to see things in many different frames, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. allows me, if I just, you know, shift the frame, I can say, oh, well, this... Oh, didn't look like this was going to be possible, but if I look at it this way, oh, by golly, it is. And, um, and I think a lot of people don't have that facility, and I have to recognize that. I, I think that's true. Yeah. I think you have an unusually strong facility yeah. there, and, yeah. and, and many people don't. Yeah. And so for you to think about change is actually much of the time, not always, but much of the time, kind of exciting and... It's a puzzle woo, for me. Right. Yeah, I, I just have to figure out the puzzle. Right. Yeah. Whereas for other people, I think it's, it's, it's more difficult. And daunting. Yeah. You know, and yeah. sometimes I think really downright pain, emotionally painful. Yeah. Um, so I think those things are going on. I also think that um, depending on the individuals that comprise a group, mm -hmm. what the the chemistry is there or the, the makeup of that group. It might be that there are one or two people who could keep the rest of the group from moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, my sense would be to look very carefully at those folks and what, what their, 
what their contributions are and what trade-offs you're making by continuing to have them as a part of that particular group. Not the necessarily get rid of them, but maybe they don't fit for that group that wants to move forward. Um, I, you know, I just think there are a lot, I think it's very complex. I think there are always a lot of factors present. Um, and in the um, human systems dynamics terms, we can, you know, look at what are the various containers that are at play? What are the differences that are going on? How's that? What patterns are those creating? It's all about the patterns of behavior in a group. Um, but for me, I just tend to look at it at the group through a group lens as opposed to a collection of individuals lens. And um, that's just my natural inclination right now right and, and where my study has been and, right yeah. but so I guess the question in my mind now is like if 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 you think of whoever is facilitating the the retrospective type mm -hmm. of activity as the holder of the container right. and and that yeah. person Mm -hmm. starts to feel um, overwhelmed or less sure that you know well, then yeah. you know what what how how do how how do we and what is our responsibility then as holder of the container to to be able to sustain that belief that there's value in in this kind of work? Well, I think one big way is sharing the role, not being the only person who's ever in that role. Um, I really, uh, lately, another thing I've been thinking about in terms of retrospectives, um, lately I've been thinking about all the ways in which the, the meeting leadership, not leadership of the team, but just leadership of that particular meeting could be um, done in many different ways. How could it be done collectively? Um, how could it be done, how could that uh, sort of agenda monitor <laughs> role, um, how could it be shared around, either either in, in one meeting or across several meetings? Mm -hmm. How, how might you find ways to bring people from outside your team in to do that part so every team member can be a part of the retrospective? Um, and you know, so there's, there's lots me. of different, different ways to think about that, but it's really about sharing the role and not having the same person always in that role. So go ahead. Yeah, no, it reminds me, you know, years ago when we used to use self, when we did, we were working with self-managed teams, mm -hmm. self-directed teams, mm -hmm. um, and we we tried to encourage people to borrow, remember, right, to, to borrow from another team, right, for the purposes of conducting those kinds of meetings, mm -hmm. and what what I can't remember what we called that. Well, I, I no, I don't remember what we called it, but in a number of organizations um, that have that have come to ask for uh, retrospective mm -hmm. leadership training mm -hmm. for 
um, all their scrum masters and all their project mm-hmm. managers or all right. of whomever, that's one of the things that we set up when we go away or we try to install is this idea that now you have a cohort of people who can lead retrospectives. You don't have to lead your own anymore. You can you can swap around and do for each other. And I borrowed that idea from from way back when when we right. were doing self self directing right. teams and and that where that has really gained ground, it's been very beneficial. Not every organization sustains that, but where they have been able to sustain it, that's been very helpful to sure. folks to bring in somebody else to facilitate the meeting. Um, just to, you know, because you've got this whole cadre of folks who can do that, and you don't have to pay for some outside facilitator to come in. Because there's a quid pro quo, you know, I'll 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 lead your retrospective for your team if you'll lead mine, sure. right? And right. and the other huge benefit from that is it serves to do a lot of cross pollinating across mm-hmm. teams because you know the scrum master from one team if they go in to lead the retrospective for another team they find out what the patterns and problems are going on there and they start recognizing maybe organizational level right. impediments that they thought only their team right. was encountering. And right. now they right. know right. it's more than just my team. Right. And now we can, now it has a different frame and now we can right. work on it in a different kind of way. Right, right. And um, so there's a lot of benefits or, or things that teams have tried that work really well that get imported, right. you know, across as right. well. So that really works well. Um there's a, a colleague in in the UK named Alan Kelly has just come up with what he called dialogue sheets for retrospectives, which is a big piece of paper that had that you put in the middle of a table and the team sits around the table and there are questions all the way around the edge of the paper and a blank space in the middle for capturing notes. And each person This must be a very big piece of paper. It's a big piece of paper. It's like flip chart paper size or bigger. Okay. And um, and the idea is that each person facilitates the question in front of them. That's so it's printed around the edge. And they're called dialogue sheets, mm-hmm. retrospective dialogue sheets. And he's introduced that. And so there are a lot of these different ways of kind of sharing out mm-hmm. that role so it doesn't become a burden for mm-hmm. just one person to mm-hmm. always kind of be in that role. And I think what somebody else has told me is um, that when when on their team they started sharing the responsibility for leading the retrospective, the scrum master or the agile coach does it sometimes, mm-hmm. but then other mm-hmm. team members take it in mm-hmm. turn to, mm-hmm. to lead right. the retrospective, that behavior in the retrospectives has greatly improved. <laughs> People are more engaged and more uh, present and less apt to act act out or check out because they know their turn is coming. You know, they know that that makes it hard on the facilitator or the leader, and at some point, at some point, they're going to be in the front of that room, and they don't want other people doing that to them. And so, so it's it's kind of improved general behavior That's in the retrospective. Good. Yeah. So, you know, just, but all these things are just things people can try to improve the retrospectives. And what I would hope is that people would also realize that 
you can improve your teamwork and your practices and your process and your product all in the same way by kind of swarming on it, by having everybody taking a leadership role in it and not having that be the job of one person. So, so what you've been talking about the last few minutes yeah. are some really positive developments, and that's great. Yeah. And I'm wondering then why, when we started out this conversation, yeah. you were talking about being more right. disappointed and pessimistic. Because are I don't see it happening nearly enough. Ah. I mean, those... Those are those, the exceptions. Those not the are rule. the except. Those seem to be the exceptions and not the rule. And at least in terms of what I hear about, mm. um, I hear more about. And maybe it's just because people like to complain, but I don't think mm. so. Um, I think what I hear more about is well, we hold a retrospective. We don't really get anything out of it. Do we really have to do this? Yeah. Okay. It's a practice. It's one of the practices. So. In order to be agile, we have to have retrospectives. But there's nothing... There's they're no, not really getting a benefit. Yeah, there's no real substance There's there. no real substance there. And, of course, any, any of the practices associated with agile or any kind of quality of work life improvements, any of those practices or principles have to be... Authentic. Authentic and, and, and really used. You, you can't just give them lip service. You can't just say, well, yeah, we pair because, you know, uh, I sat with one of my team members for an hour last week, so sure, we're doing pairing. Right. You know, I, that's not, right. you're not going to get the benefit that way or stand-up meetings or... Well, you, you know, know, it's like, I think what you're talking about there is, is you know, the the... The emptiness, if you will, of form. Yes. You know, if a manager um, is doing a um, performance evaluation with an employee and they're really just going through the motions, but they're really not invested in working with that employee and, and saying, okay, here's an area where I don't really think you're working at your full potential and let's brainstorm what can we what can I do how can I help you what other resources I mean the manager is not really engaged in that conversation right. and they're just going through the motions of doing a performance review well you're going to have a crappy result right. well the and employee, if they're not giving frequent ongoing feedback right but saving it up yeah. right I mean it's it so yeah. so I mean what you're talking about right fundamentally I don't think is any different then, then um, you know, people know the difference between going through the motions, yeah. whether it's on their part or their coworkers or their bosses, yeah. and really being engaged and giving a rip yeah. about <laughs> what yeah. what the outcome is, and. I don't care whether it's an agile organization or a non it doesn't matter. It it's kind of all the same. Yeah. If you're if you're not really invested in the in the people and the outcome, it doesn't matter. Right. Right? Right. Right. So 
So what does that say to us as change agents? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one of the things it says to us is that if we can't be sincere and authentic models of that kind of engagement, we're in the wrong business. Yeah. You know, that that's, that is part of our job, is that is... You know, kind of holding out the the promise of this is how it really can be. This is how people really can interact. And and you know, we've gotten feedback in the past. You and I, when we've worked uh, spinning up teams and stuff, where people said the most valuable thing that came out of it was just watching you and I work together mm -hmm. because we were really authentic with each other and we gave each other feedback in real time and we. Mm -hmm. And and we made adjustments as we went along, and you know, and they right. and they saw us do that all in a way that was um, respectful and honoring of each other's gifts right. and abilities, right. and supportive, and and they saw that, and they took that away as a more powerful message than the actual content that we were working right. on about team development, and. I, so I think that I think that is a part of the role of us as consultants is to hold out. This is how it can be. Yeah. Really, it can, and we I can, we can show you how it can be this way. Mm -hmm. And and we're going to deal with you. Not only are we going to deal with each other, but we're going to deal with you in this way. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, if your organization. If your organizational culture, if your organizational structure, policies, procedures aren't in such a state that it can um, uh, include us in our way of being, if it's going to, you know, we're going to find out probably pretty soon if it's going to spit us out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and if that happens, Either we or you aren't ready, and there's no harm, no foul. And it's but not it's, a good fit. But it's not a good fit, and right. it's time, you know, it's time to, for each of us to find a different fit. Yeah. And I just, I guess the bright spot in this for me, or one of the bright spots in this for me, is that I still fundamentally believe that there are enough companies and enough leaders in companies out there who really do want to be good workplaces and just haven't quite been given all the tools or, mm -hmm. you know, really kind of know how to, how to go about getting to the kind of culture they want to create, um, that that to provide more than enough work for us and numbers of our colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's true. I think people really do want that. I think they don't always know that it's possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes the challenge is really communicating. No, this really is possible, and you know we can help you get there if mm -hmm. you want to. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to, well, nice, you know, good, nice to meet you, but we're probably not a good fit. Yeah. Right. So um, yeah, I think I, but I do think that there are enough folks out there, and mm -hmm. and I, I'm actually given a lot of. Um, hope by what I see in um, the people that I'm working with, in mm -hmm. or, especially younger people in organizations, people who are in their 20s and 30s, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
who really do seem to have a vision of a different way of working and a different kind of workplace. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, maybe people of the generation, uh, you know, one generation older than you and I or the generation that we're in had a harder time seeing that. And it is going to, you know, maybe it's <laughs> like they talk about, you know, the change by attrition or change by, mm -hmm. um, you know, generational uh, comings and goings. It may, maybe that's what it's going to take. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. But I do see more, uh, more people talking about it, more people talking about good management, I mean, ideas about good management, of really effective management, have been around a long time. Sure. But for a while, it was just a few voices kind of crying right. in the wilderness. Right. And, and it's like over time, that chorus has gotten louder and louder. At least I'm more aware of it. Yeah. And it's showing up in more places. You know, it's funny that you would say that because somebody asked me a few weeks ago how I could possibly do this kind of work. Yeah. They said, like, don't you, uh, you know, burn out or whatever, yeah. and, you know, organizations are still so screwed up, how can you possibly right. do this kind of work? And I said, you know, when we started doing this kind of work, yeah. organizations were still mostly, well, virtually all, very hierarchical, very structured, I mean, I worked for an organization that had seven layers of management. You know, that was, yeah. that was the world I came from. In 25, 30 years, actually, if you think about it, the shift is enormous. Yeah. It's enormous. But on a day-to-day -day basis... Right. You don't see you it. You don't see it. You no, don't you see have, it. And you have so to it's take easy, the long view. It's yeah. easy to get discouraged. But when you step back and think the changes we've seen in our professional lifetime, mm -hmm. the things that are now sort of taken for granted that people are going to work in teams, yeah. Jesus, when that, that was like, yeah. you got to be kidding me. Um, so actually, mm -hmm. um, I think there has been an enormous shift yeah. and we're just impatient to right. see sort of the rest of it because right. we know what's possible. Right. But 30 years from now, the workplace is going to look, look very different. way different. Well, the analogy I use with folks is, you know, most folks don't remember when nobody cared about customer service. <laughs> right. I remember that. Right. Like, nobody cared about, you know, customer got what we wanted to sell them. Right. They're, they had no say in the matter. Right. And now that, you know, then there was the whole total quality movement and, um, you know, uh, what was that? Points of... Um, Points of light? No, no. It was uh, uh, <laughs> the, the SAS, mom, you know, the... Oh, the moments of truth. Moments of truth. Yes, when, sorry. You, you know, threw that, me it, off with yeah, the points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moments of truth. And, um, you know, this whole idea that... Uh, you know, that customer service. Right, the really, customer was really in charge. You know, the whole customer's always right, blah, right. blah, blah. Now people have some put, it's, it's become such a meme that right. people push back against it. Well, right. wait a minute, the customer isn't always right, right? right. And, 
And now I've been reading um, Steve um, Steve Denning's columns in, mm-hmm. in Forbes and things about how with the rise of the internet and with the the customer really is king. Right. The customer is giving reviews and feedback and can sink your ship if you're not providing what they really want and need. That's an enormous shift. And there's no reason why the quality of work life shift can't be as enormous. And and I see it on that trajectory. Mm-hmm. We're just, you know, it's just behind. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really true. Yeah, I hope we're around in 30 years to see what it looks like. That would be cool. Uh, if, if we can, you know, still see. And here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we okay. can actually take in the information. Yeah. On that note. <laughs> maybe maybe we should just wrap yeah. for today. Well, I, you know, so I'd like to hear from the people who listen to these podcasts. Um, what are you seeing? What's where are your disappointments in what progress is being made? Where are you seeing real progress being made and sustained? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear those stories. Yeah, I would too. And, because if yeah. we hear some of those stories, those would be wonderful things that we could follow up on yeah. and maybe generate some new learning, some right. new information that right. could be disseminated. And at the very least, pass them along exactly. to other folks. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, we'd love to hear your comments about this this conversation. Please leave your comments on our blog or email us leadershippodcast at gmail.com. This has been episode four of season two of Partnerships and Possibilities. Thanks for listening. <laughs>